Hello and welcome to the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this show is all about leadership, coaching, and living a life of high performance. Hello, welcome to um, the Give Yourself the Chat podcast, uh, another episode. Um, I've, I've got a chap called Dan Cook with me. Um, uh, so good morning, Dan. How are you? I, I think you're on a, a canal boat there, is that right? Hey, Pete. Yes, I am. Uh, I am on a canal, canal boat in, in the Oxfordshire countryside right now. In fact, it's going to be here for a while. We're not going anywhere at the moment, are we? No, so, it's uh, not. So um, those of us that are listening, we are still in, I think it's uh, week four of lockdown. The government have just announced another three weeks of lockdown with coronavirus. And uh, yeah, interesting times. But you say it's, it's the right place to be. And you've got an impressive set of badges. Those that are watching on YouTube you can see a lot of badges behind. Um, so Dan, I know a little bit about you because um, we've just had a little bit of a chat. But we are meeting pretty much for the first time through a wonderful technology and, and and how LinkedIn in particular brings people together. Uh, I know a little bit about your background, sort of international search and rescue, uh, fire and rescue officer, ex-school teacher for a brief period and uh, all that kind of stuff. But um, we'll, we'll kind of dig into your backstory a little bit now. But what are you up to right now? And, and, and in particular, what's kind of keeping you busy? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, being locked down, genuinely taking it seriously and being responsible about it. I'm pretty lucky that I can do some exercise near here, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, however, um, very, very long days with my organization uh, using the computer and my phone, uh, sort of helping coordinate and lead five different uh, counties, if you like, for us, of response um, and trying to balance it to be doing the right thing. Uh, we, we're normally pretty forward-facing people. So, so sitting here as a, as a remote solo headquarters, I guess, yeah. on a barge. Well, yeah, on a barge. So you are my first um, podcast guest um, from a boat. So that's a, a first for give yourself the chat. Um, but yeah, so, so, so ordinarily, I mean, I know pre-lockdown, you were just kind of flew back from the Caribbean with some of the um, the work you were doing out there. So uh, we were just talking before we sort of came on air about how sometimes it's really difficult just to sort of sit on your hands or do the right thing which is not do anything in this uh, you know if we're in the sort of service industry or volunteering we want to kind of rush to help but sometimes that's not the best response is it yeah it's a really tough one we're, we're all designed in, in my organization and myself to, to go i mean we'll fly anywhere in the world in about six hours uh and and with eh, scant information enough intimate information to justify it, i would say um and that doesn't mean we don't consider things and on this one we had a good look and that you know, straight away we're saying the first thing, stop moving around, get isolated. You're not, you're not special. Yeah. <laughs> you're human. If you touch this stuff, you can spread it and make things worse. So we won't make things worse. Also, um, a lot of our staff are frontline NHS and emergency services. So they're already doing that. Um, and so we wanted to review what it was and say, how can we make the best benefit um, without making things worse? And we are doing, we're, we're, we're in a variety of tasks, uh, but we are also, um, constantly reminding ourselves about being patient this is a long job don't you know burn out uh, if you like be the tortoise in the race um and and get to the end uh, you know we've got a real simple set of objectives and we and we stick them up every day and remind ourselves what our decisions are and and what have you so but it but it is a tough time because uh, i i won't lie we're used to having that sense of uh uh, being part of something special, uh, especially at the very sharp end. And, and so when you really look at it, you have to make sure that isn't just your ego. 
Uh, and if it is, you can leave it, stay where you are, stay in, stay in your boat, stay yes. wherever you are, uh, mm. and, and, and wait. We're doing a lot of online training. We're doing, we're even restructuring ourselves whilst we get this amazing opportunity. But, but yeah, we're all, we are also delivering a lot of good, uh, just not at high speed and shouting about it. Well, yeah, but, but equally, it's it's understanding the situation and being mindful of what is needed and when and and at what point will that kind of be able to kick in. And I think there's too many people that rush. We were talking about the how wonderful it is the um, the sort of volunteer register for the the NHS is you know very quickly getting up to it to a million or so, and a lot of them. I know what well, waiting for to do something, but isn't it great that we haven't had to call upon you? And you know, I, I'm one of those volunteers, and I was saying to you, there's about 20 odd of us around just in this block alone where I live, <laughs> but that's a good thing <laughs> that we're not. You know, mm. it's, a, it's a it's a really good thing. Putting your um, hand up to say I'm I'm here is is part of it, and then the next bit is actually having the 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 grown up mind that goes, actually, this is this is pretty good. It was not about my adventure. It's not about me being in the front of something. It's about the outcome. Uh, and, you know, the other one that's quite common is you hear people saying, well, I signed up, but I haven't really had anything to do for a week. So I've started delivering food for yeah. old people, yeah. getting prescriptions. For, and you go, well, there you go. That's it. You're already doing it. It's, mm. it, it did it need a badge or a hat or a thing? It turns out you're taking some of that work already. Yes. And yeah. well done. Why not? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I would say that some of the smaller communities do brilliantly at the minute because they uh, they seem to have that community that allows them to look after themselves. Yeah. You know, I think once you get into a massive city, it's pretty tough, and anyone's on top of each other hard. But some of our smaller communities are just a, a massive example of how to almost like don't interfere too much of this. It's working, um, yes. which is yeah, yeah. great to see. Yeah, that's really good to see. So I, I kind of touched on a little bit of your background, but clearly there's a lot of depth to it. So what kind of brought you to this sort of life of service and and you know some you know look from the outside in would say quite an adventurous kind of lifestyle and was that always something that drove you and uh, kind of brought you to this point yeah do you know i i think i was brought up to be outside uh climb uh in water <laughs> wherever it was climb uh and and perhaps do do something away from the crowd quite often. I think I think I was a super shy child. Like I, I remember being really nervous and shy about people. Uh, my mother tells me I talked to anybody and wasn't scared of anything, but I, I can remember being, so I, I don't know how that works. But uh, certainly having adventures, I remember my first rescue was, um, this is quite strange, my first rescue was some ducklings, and I was about three, or, and I can remember it because we had to walk in a stream in Blue Wellingtons with a coat, Oh, uh, with with someone to to herd them back from somewhere, and I can actually remember that. And I remember it being the most important thing in the world. And I cut my leg and I didn't care, and it's super important. Now that's all those tiny little things that happen. Then you play, and I guess sport was a big part of my life. Um, I, I managed to get a scholarship. I had a mum that worked really hard to get me into a, a good school. I was. Uh, I wouldn't say I was a bad student in terms of uh, unpleasant, but I was. I was rarely there. Um, I'd spend as much time uh, away from things as I could. I usually got caught skiving because I would turn up to training for sports. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's how I would, I would I, I think, I think later as I managed to wheedle my way into university, possibly on some good recommendations and being reasonable at sport, uh, I, I trained as a teacher 
and um and that's where i discovered i was probably quite dyslexic whereas whereas i went to a school where i think there were 32 oxbridge successful oxbridge students wow. in my year yeah. um which i wasn't one um yeah. i think i nearly nearly managed to, to blag it at some point but uh no uh, academia i just never been great and um I think if I don't have a, a real purpose or focus, it doesn't even open that bit of my brain. When it does, you know, I'm, 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 I was chasing things all over the place. And uh, I suppose another turning point about service was I was traveling in India after my uh, GCSEs. I think we were the first year that did them. And, um, or the second year, I'm not sure. Anyway, went around India with some mates and, uh, and no grown-ups and uh, had all sorts of experiences, including, you know, seeing some extremes of poverty, some cruelty, violence, and, yeah. and and actually came away from it with there's a right and a wrong here, and there's a uh, maybe there's a it matters to me maybe I should look to do that um, do things differently maybe, um, and that's sort of that teenage years where you start to form some social conscience and you form your own which I think is really healthy and was really good so went off trained as a teacher um spent a bit of that time actually uh around the military at the same time to help me through uni and, and a few other bits and then came out the other side and um very randomly very randomly i've been teaching on supply um and then i randomly joined the fire service right. because i was throwing a newspaper out and it had an advert and it was i think the internet existed but i didn't know how to use it and um right. this was one of those where you had to go to a job center scribble on a bit of paper and um hey anyway i i i found out the handing in date was a friday and it was already wednesday night and i was throwing away a free paper so i had to drive to a job center and devises and get a piece of paper have a book and fill it in on the front desk at the headquarters in one go now my writing's terrible my spelling is terrible um and i knew how important it was because i've done uh, the admiralty interview board and passed that and a few things and um and I was, like, I was saying to myself, this is such a big waste of time. I can't write properly. I should do this 10 times before I hand it in because yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. So, and I remember thinking, that's a strange old waste of time. And then for some reason, I, I, I went very quickly through, um, ended up on training. Still not sure if I wanted to be a firefighter, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then came out the other side of training, which was great fun. Um, just wanted to actually do the, do the, the real stuff. Mm. But, and I think there's a piece there about a life service that, for me, I'm probably an activist, pragmatist, not strong reflector, not a strong reflector. It's why I work so well with Al, because he yeah. is, and uh, he helps me. Um, and uh, and I just wanted to get on and do things and see what it was about, uh, whereas other people were concerned about their, their grades or their um, uh, positioning in the course and all yes. this stuff. Yeah. Turns out, because it mattered to me, I did really well there. And then, you know, I started in the fire service. I was super busy. I made six breeding apparatus rescues in my probation alone which some people never do in a career yeah my first tour was really busy and i was working with a load of old guys who um who were my say old guys they were they'd all been in about 25 years but one and i was this new kid and i had this wonderful experience from this gruff old sub-officer in charge of my watch who said um no you're not you're not going in the kitchen because they usually put probationers you know you can imagine clean everything go in the yeah, kitchen skibby, do all the crappy yeah. jobs yeah, he said, you're not doing any of that. You are, um, and you're not watching football. I wouldn't anyway, like rugby, but you're not watching TV. You're not going in the kitchen. You're studying. And if we're not on a shout, you study till midnight on nights and all day on uh, on days. And it was like, whew. well, actually, it was brilliant. And yeah. I had someone assigned to me that really, really took care of my learning. I mean, it's hard on me, but uh, yeah. 
it was it was excellent and you have these these horrendous um especially the area i was you have these horrendous assessments which were at the time in the gift of the commander of that district so we happened to have one who made these epic days that started before your shift would start and your shift had gone home and you were still working at nine on exams and they basically quiz you and quiz you and quiz you and get to the end and you do scenario 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 exam 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 you name it uh, and i had i had some really tough ones of those and what tended to happen was people would try and get the questions for the exams and share them around uh, and my boss made me swear not to do that yeah. not to receive that he said it's dead easy this dead easy and i always remember thinking this when it comes to operational things if you learn everything and can do everything you'll know all the answers don't worry about it um and then he actually just and that was a simple brief for the for the yeah. for 18 months um but kind of worked and he also said you know um don't worry about what this bloke thinks if you've got a scenario you know how to do all this stuff solve solve the solve the problem let it take care of itself yeah. and and that probably sticks into the to the to the rest of the world that I've been in. I mean, I, fire service was a wonderful and is a wonderful career. Great people. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get uh, to work in really good teams, and I got promoted really fast. I think I was the the quickest anyone's become an operational station officer at the time as a temporary assistant divisional officer, or whatever it is now. Right, well done. Yeah. Um, and and really, that was all just on the back of events and being you know doing well and, and trying to solve the problems and work well with with people it's a people team job and that's when i started to uh look at international rescue uh sadly there was 9-11 which which prompted the fire service to let me go and do this because it was a skill set that would be needed if we had a similar event and so at the same time as that and a few other uh service related jobs on the side i, I ended up just working constantly to the point at which i had to pick or choose and um i've been around the world on missions and and decided that uh that i needed to concentrate on what i wanted which was that um and so i left the fire service after about 17 years um and 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 sort of went into this world which which is now not dissimilar to your own in terms of human performance uh i fell into that but all of these things kind of came along by i think eight eight or nine years ago a chap called matt parker who who's in uk sport he's a bit of a legend on the uh, marginal gains things yes yeah. uh and uh he uh and chris stock got me to come into the um uh, elite coaching program for uk sport uh to just to share my world because they wanted to look outside sport outside the conventional and we had a particular reputation for, for doing well in, in on, on our missions which are all um confusing and chaotic and uh and finding some direction purpose and success in there is is, is always a, a great challenge mm. did that uh, a few times and worked with england rugby and, and a few other elite groups in sport including the military as well some groups there and was basically doing it because i thought it was fascinating and i was learning from people and um and i was had, had a nice job and it was all fine and then they were saying look you know apart from donating this amount to your charity what you should really do this for a job uh we, we spend a lot of money on people and get less so we'd yeah, rather yeah that's a good endorsement yeah yeah and, and i'm like well, I'm, no i'm all right i quite like rescuing people and then as time goes by you look at what you enjoy and, and you look at you know serving purpose and and all the way through here yeah uh, uh, there's been some danger, injuries, death, trauma, uh, everything you can associate with that type of uh, work, of course. Um, and I felt like actually uh, I was learning about how to thrive in uncertainty. 
Uh, yeah. I wasn't conscious of it. And then you become more conscious as you grow up, don't you? You start to reflect and you go, because again, I'm not a big reflector. It usually takes someone else to make me. Right. Um, and uh, you start to say, actually, everyone else was struggling with that. And I wasn't. And maybe, like some people say, it's that you've got a thin slicing brain because it's, you know, it links to dyslexia and all sorts, doesn't it? But whatever it is, there's a way of seeing a moment as an opportunity. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I guess we got tested in that time and time and time yeah. again. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to share that, explore that. And I really enjoy what, what's possible, like uh, optimism, so forward-looking and, and what have you. Yeah. And so sharing that's been really good. Not, look, I mean, my team, my team I work with at Servon are, are, are just incredible. And some of them are just the highest caliber people from all kinds of backgrounds and very diverse thinking, diverse in many, many, many ways. And then they come together and, uh, and there's always someone who's got a solution there. And um, so we, we've got this great mix that's pretty flat, uh, high level, a very high level of trust, uh, and and can solve problems. And you know, I've definitely been in the midst of and, and made rescues where people have said that can't that can't be done. You know, yeah. Um, and we've done it, and uh, a huge amount of lessons learnt through that experience, and lessons in blood. Because 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 honestly, a, if it sounds adventurous and cool, um, I've got to be really careful because it isn't. It, it, <laughs> pretty horrible um <laughs> no yeah we should romanticize it too much it's, yeah i mean you, you've got to find your purpose you've got to keep getting up the next day to do things so you have yes. to be able to make it right and um and there's nothing wrong with humor uh, in the midst of things and 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 that thing that keeps us going and and i've been asked by someone at uh in the rugby not long ago was um how the hell do you measure success and actually as a as a non-reflecting person i'm like what measure uh but um, but I do. I measure it actually in our own behaviours. Yeah. I measure it in how we react and cope as a group of humans, helping other humans yeah. in in very challenging circumstances. So you you wouldn't count the numbers of rescues. You wouldn't count the hours on the ground or the the, the amount of whatever. We sometimes have to do it to, to prove we're making you know good. So how many liters of water did we filter for people? Yes, or, yeah, of course. Or what have you? But you know, sometimes our job is to clear a massive area of a city that's fallen over and it's full of dead people. Uh, and, and so everything's failed already. And you're, all you're doing is bringing some hope uh, and making and clearing it. And yes, if there's someone alive, we'll, get, we'll find them. But they might not be. And we've searched, I mean, a horrible day in Haiti in 2010 where every, every building was contained dead people and, uh, and they were all dead and we didn't get anyone out that day. We made some rescues on that mission. But, but they also had their relatives there. So I was personally giving the bad news to... Uh, every demographic of mum, dad, daughter, son, the lot, all the way yeah. through that. Uh, and you realise you, you're, you're serving such an important purpose. You've got to humanise that moment so that they can go to grief well yes. or yes. as well as you can manage. And you can't be robotic and go, guy in a, de- guy in a red shirt, yeah, he's dead, next, and we move on. We, you know, we, we've really got to we've got, take a moment to make that uh, because that's part of what we're there for and, so we, we're not only there to make rescues, we're there for anything that we can do to support the recovery or, or the new normal and to, and to bring some, broker some hope. Uh, brokering hope is really big on, on our discussions with ourselves about how we can make something better. But really, it helps sustain us. Yeah. So I know we, I picked life of service. I could have picked anything from your headings because they're, they're really exciting and, uh, and, and useful um, to talk through. Uh, but I thought that one probably underpins my life 
and links to coaching, links to leadership, links to yeah, mindset. So much, I mean, it? You know, yeah. it really, really hits those hits those buttons. And um, so it's a fascinating thing to explore. And I, and I know also the, the the name of your podcast. Give yourself a chat. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'd like to explore that a little bit. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's get back to the the sort of life of service piece. It's um, it's interesting. There's so much in what you've just said there, Dan, about you as a, a young boy and man growing up and everything else like this. And is it when you said that you know you just love playing sport, but actually you know you went to school was about sport and skiving and basically if I'm paraphrasing and, and I, yeah. I think about when I joined the army, it was always I wanted to uh, travel the world and play sport. So I, there's I, I, I resonate an awful lot with what you're saying there, but it's interesting. There's, a, there's loads in what you've just said there, but I want to pick out a few things and then we'll get on to the give yourself the chat piece and whatever. It's how um, mentors and guides show up in your life at some point where you don't perhaps recognize it at the time, but they do you a tremendous service to set you up for the man that you've become and the men that we, we've become. And, and, and I reflect on in my early military career, certain um, um, officer commandings or, or even my sort of platoon sergeant that actually decided to take me under their wing, much like that person in your fire station that said, you're not going to be watching TV, you're not going to be cleaning the kitchen, you're going to be learning. And, and it's when you reflect on that and you look back and you think, oh my gosh, that was such a powerful intervention that somebody did for me then. That was them serving me. And, and, and for me, recognizing that has, has kind of driven the desire to want to pay it forward because I know how powerful it can be and how life-changing it could be. I mean, I mean, when you look back on that, I mean, how, I mean, how pivotal was that for you becoming the person that you are now, those, those mentors along the way? Well, I mean, that, that character and that watch had a reputation for being uh, very old school, really tough on people uh, and uncompromising. I and I was warned about this as a leaving recruit training, you're going to this watch and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of expectations and you're going to have to be ooh, a bit of fear. The moment I got there, I, I, nah, I tell you what, that is a, that's a reputation that in some ways was maybe some jealousy around the, the, that, that team, such a tight team. And what it turns out, and I learned this as I went through, was you don't get too many pats on the back. You get looked after. Uh, you don't get... Um, high fives and, and excitement because actually in my world too much drama is a bad news it takes the energy off you so I learned that really well from them but what you did was that it turns out a whole team who had invested in saying we haven't had a probation for 15 years this is going to be the best five could possibly turn out and uh, and I didn't know that until I was told that by the leading hand when I when I finished my um, you know my probation and I did well, and it was great. But but I I learned a lot there about this is they put themselves into that without it being an overt. It, it wasn't even reciprocity. You didn't they didn't need a I've helped you, so you better appreciate that sunshine. Yeah. None of that. It was the outcome, and uh, and that's a really solid thing that you can learn and imprint in other people. And, and I you know I very much uh, I very much have learned from that and tried to do that. It's like helping others with your example or by investing in them or even giving them the space and the, and the credit to do something. Well, and that's interesting because it very much links to, I mean, very early on in the conversation you talked about, uh, it may have been, been off air about ego and how ego can kind of cloud that. And there's this idea of service is, is genuinely the fulfillment and that the payback of a life of service is not necessarily recognition. It's just, there's something within that actually, do you know what this, this is the right thing to do. And, you get back more than you ever could 
than a pat on the back or an award could give you. And and it's really hard to kind of get your head around. But when you are when you experience it, there's there's nothing like it really. It's it's yeah. It's also I think it's also a protection. So we have to take care of our mental. Well, everyone does, but we really have to can be concerned about our mental health with our team and the pressures they're under anyway when we do missions and same right now in fact uh and and i think that some if it's if it's genuine and honest and that purpose is is inside and doesn't need explaining too much then you are you've got some body armor for your for your soul for your for your well-being and you have got that because you that's the unquestionable bit so we go into definitely into chaos I also don't personally, some people who work with me will, will test me, not massively into bringing order to chaos. Right, okay. You know, in some walks of life, I've probably brought chaos in. But, um, <laughs> but I would say there is, a, there, is, there is an amount of certainty that's needed, but total certainty doesn't exist. Mm. And we have to be comfortable with a larger percentage of uncertainty and operate in, in my world and where we work. So, so when we go into uh, a unknown place there's no communications no food no power no water it's possibly hostile mountains of Pakistan, wherever else we operate you've got a lot of uncertainty so what you need is to know that we trust each other that if we can fail but that's just because we're trying hard uh, that we will not be fractured by success failure hardship or any of that we we we, we absolutely rely on each other and, and we look each other in the eye and know that um that's your bit that's your certainty for me that's my certainty taken care of yeah the finding a way i'm also pretty confident to find a way i don't know what it is always uh, i can definitely borrow some confidence uh and it's not a secret you do don't you when you're leaving sometimes you have to say i know in this room we've got the skills to do this so it's going to be fine what are we going to do i'm not sure yeah i'm confident that if we ask the right yeah. questions we'll we'll find it we'll yeah. There. yeah 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 and so and so if you if you have to put have a veneer that's that's basically i guess you know if it's if it's bullshit i suspect to you putting on a layer or a massive insecurity we can't do that so we can't operate so our performance level can't achieve this if it's uh, if it's either got its own little egos or it's got its own sub reputations or um or fears and in fact i guess it's like when we work with elite performance the really impressive people at the very very high end have no performance snobbery in it they'll learn from any little thing and they're curious and they're they're interested and and they they give respect and credit to anything around them that can help but that's really hard to do when everyone puts you on a pedestal so so we just so we don't have those you know we're just volunteers and 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 we wear coveralls and it's dirty and horrible and messy i know our performance is on occasion just unparalleled sometimes it's not we're human beings but uh when we when we put it into the into the test, if you like, the sharp end of what we do, then I know we come out really well. Uh, and and I, I would say that I, like I said, judge that on our people um, and their attitude to what most people would be broken by or see as failure. We can turn it around and fight our way through and make it better. And I, and I really, I love that part of my life. Yes. Um, hence, I guess, why it becomes part of what you do. Yes. Uh, and then again, the next bit, I guess, is seeing it in other people. You know, seeing well, you coaching, seeing other people thrive, uh, find a way, feel better is a in itself it is a huge reward, uh, and and not everyone is interested in that. And then, you know, a lot of people are interested in themselves. And actually, do you know what? It's real different. But um, but for me, I I know that if my harder times or if I feel sorry for myself, 
Uh, and if I'm not helping something else, my teammates, if they're looking up for you uh, to, to help, if they're relying on you, uh, all that side of things, if, if that's not around, uh, you can feel sorry for yourself. And the moment you do that, everything is terrible. Like, uh, you know, and it's, it's a bit in self, I find if it's self-indulgent. And um, so I always think that by the time you realize you're feeling sorry for yourself, it can be a little bit too late on the, on the curve. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's almost like making sure that uh, I'm doing things for other people. Now I'll be absolutely honest. That's not a plan for long-term life. And, and I've definitely suffered as, as a result of it because you, you need to get the balance. You need to come and go from that self and, and yeah. for others. And I'm still on that journey. Uh, you know, we probably all are, uh, but um, it's why I like working with the likes of Jason and Al because, uh, we have our, we all have our different bits of a triangle that help each other so much and, and produce some good stuff. Uh, but the ego piece, um, I guess, I guess the the ego is sometimes required to give a bit of confidence, you know, uh, in some areas. But in terms of a team, in terms of real trust, in terms of it, just tends to mess you up. You know, it just tends to to take quality away from you and uh, or, or build up a problem that you didn't need there and. Yeah. Uh, you must have been there, and so we all. When you when you start clashing with somebody, and and then you have to step back and go, oh, you're only clashing over some you know bloke thing. This is stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can let someone have that because the outcome is what I'm after. Well, absolutely. That ego is, um, I, I don't know how much reading you do, Dan, but there's a wonderful book called The Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday and kind of says it all, you know. And um, uh, there's an astronaut, I forget his first, Chris Hadfield talks about there's no problem so bad that you can't make it worse. Uh, and quite often, <laughs> you know, it's the ego that will kind of make it worse and just kind of pour, uh, pour petrol on the flames there. Um, so yeah. you, you touched upon there a little bit about sort of mental resilience and mindfulness and, and, and the pressure it puts on you. And I also know that you, you were quite taken with the, the title of this podcast, Give Yourself the Chat. What, 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 is, what does Give Yourself the Chat mean for, for Dan? Oh, the amount of times. So, um, people would be probably, there is a side of me that doesn't worry too much, uh, and, and does things. Um, and that sounds really careless. It doesn't mean I'm not thinking. It means that under pressure, I, I can quickly go to a, to a place and, and that, and, and once I've decided, uh, oh, great, I love adapting, but I won't worry about regrets so you know and, and that suits the world i'm in it doesn't suit everything and and it's not perfect uh, but there are definitely moments when uh, you're about to either get off an aircraft and do something or or uh, decide that you're going to stand in front of a premier of a country and the heads of some military groups and all the rest of it and say and speak truth to power and you think oh i could get myself into trouble here uh, but you've got a job to do and you do it. And there are moments there where you have a few deep breaths and, uh, you know, I do a little bit of breathing, have a look around. But do you know what I also remember is uh, everyone expects you to do it. You'll be fine. But I do have that moment that says people believe in you. You can do this. And it, it does relate to other people. And I know um, mm. we should be careful not to please make, please everyone and, yeah. and care too much, especially in the world of social media. Who cares, what, you know, tick like and all the rest of it but there is a bit where the people that matter to you believe in you and it gives you some confidence so i have a few moments like that and i know also moments of cla- classic moments with and it's a cliche but you know um the di- diving uh, on a shipwreck and there was a new shipwreck somewhere in the south china sea um and uh and and we've been told there's some really quite big tiger sharks around and what have you and uh it wasn't wasn't for fun and um i remember thinking 
you know, uh, I, I love diving. I love being a hobby. Sometimes, some days, you those fears are there, aren't they? Like the vertigo and the thing and the big sharks and what. And it was dark and and I remember that quote that uh, I still like it, even although it's pretty naff and there's probably tattoos of it everywhere. But it's the devil whispered in my ear, "You're not strong enough to weather the storm." Yeah. And uh, today I whispered in the devil's ear, "I am the storm." Yeah. And uh, remind yourself that it, it's awful, but remind yourself sometimes that you're you're a member of the apex predator group. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and, they, yeah. and they and they can be they can be scared of you for a change. Uh, you know, didn't help when the full size gigantic tiger shark came and gave us a hard time, but it does help you get into that moment and say, actually, that you know, um, this, this is, this is a little moment, have a little word. And, and I don't know if it's always the same phrase for me, but there was definitely a moment, uh, before either, uh, something where you've got to perform or something. Usually it's something where there's pressure, where you just remind yourself of this. And I, I spent, uh, Mark Bellamy, he's our scientific advisor. He's a great psychologist. Um, he did a whole day cause he's, he's an expert in fear which is fascinating. So he interviews yes. all these amazing people. And he spent a day with me. I think it was only supposed to be two hours, but I was like, this, 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 is, this is gold dust moment to spend a day with someone like that. And um, it's so interesting to find out about how, what, what actually happens and, and the idea that you, you might have all these columns of things going on and I physically feel them disappear so that I can focus on what I'm doing. And that's, that's a moment I'm, I'm aware of. Usually driving to an airport uh, with people on the hands free saying, what about this? What about that? And just literally cutting through decisions that you'd agonize over for ages of not going to happen because I'm going to be here. Don't worry about it. No. And then, yeah. and then narrowing into our mission and, um, and feeling that happen. So those, those give yourself the chat moments are sensations as well. But I, I really liked it because I hadn't heard the expression and, and I did like it a lot. And, um, it, yeah, it, it definitely resonates, fits, uh, you know, really, really does go well with with my experience well well yeah thank you for, i mean i think as much of it it's um it's that self-awareness and it's just really that that pattern interrupt that we kind of intervene and you know and it can be um it, it can range from all sorts of making key decisions before you know stepping up in, in briefing heads of state to getting yourself out of bed in the morning it's just recognizing there's a sort of train of thought pattern that's not necessarily going to serve your mission or or the purpose or why you're here um and i think it's just connecting with that and i think you use the it's, it's like a reframe isn't it sometimes yeah. as well it's just how you actually mentally position in your mind what this means and uh, and and going back to that what drives that life of service and you say it's not the the measurable things it's not the the amount of life it's it's actually connecting sometimes to the deeply personal that single person that you can help that can make all the difference you think do you know what i'm feeling sorry for myself but actually it's not as sorry as these people and these people need me right now so there's so much in there dan um we've come to the end of our, our time but um i'm yeah, we'll have you back on further down the road, um, and uh, and perhaps we can do a face to face episode yeah. um, when, when all this kind of lifts. Or I'll come and see you on your canal boat there because I'm just fascinated that there's so much there. And, and Dan, I think it's just testimony to, I think when people, um, you know, social media can be a force for good, and when we've met through social media, and it brings people together, particularly during coronavirus, any hard times there. And I think it's important for like minds to come together and spread a message. So. You know, if, if this will help anyone kind of just really sort of tune into the work you're doing and serve on and everything else like that and be inspired to volunteer or to help or, or even just to sit on their hands and wait out and to be called <laughs> forward, then then we, we've done job our job. So I just want to thank you for your time uh, today and uh, I look forward to chatting with you sometime in the future. No problem. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank, Brilliant. Thank you.
really enjoyed that one with Dan Cook there. And there was so much that we could have gone into a fascinating life of service adventure and putting himself in harm's way and also the coordination of high-performing teams. So we'll definitely have Dan back at a later episode. For the time being, though, please come and connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where the conversation's going on. Feel free to suggest who you'd like as a guest on the Give Yourself the Chat podcast and any subjects you'd like me to cover. And also share this with your community. Let's get the word out there, because if this podcast has helped one person, then my mission is is, uh, not complete, but certainly heading in the right direction. So thank you very much for your time, and I'll see you on the next one. (laughs) 